I don't know. I guess I'm just always I'm weirdly happy to see myself slain uh, by junior <laughs> scholars. I'm not wow. obviously <laughs> if they obviously if it turns out if you know if it turns out that everything I ever did was wrong, I'd probably feel like I wasted my life. Uh, but got some weird kinks there, Doc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm queen of the kink shamers, so be careful. <laughs> Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, with your hosts, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Doc? What, Nina? Well, uh, we're continuing with our Beowulf topic from last time, if you're interested. <laughs> it is a uh, pretty interesting topic. Uh, this time we're going to talk about something a little bit more serious. You know, the mind boggles as to what this could be. I have no serious <laughs> thoughts about Beowulf. So this goes back to when I was in college and uh, one of your undergrad students. Back when you would give talks, you had an interesting following that would show up to your speaking events. Isn't that true? That is true. There was a while, probably about a year and a half, I'd say, that if I did a public event, not like a class or something, but some sort of public symposium, a neo-Nazi or or neo-pagan would show up uh, and ask kind of uh, very, very polite, but hostile questions. Uh, The questions usually began with phrases like, Professor Noakes, isn't it true? Or the phrase, how can you honestly say? Things like that. But they were very- Trying to bait you into an argument. Yes, trying to bait me into an argument. They were very polite. I I will say that. And I knew that they were, the neo-pagans- I'm not, I'm pretty sure, but I'm not absolutely certain of. The neo-Nazis, when I say neo-Nazis, I don't mean in the sense of I didn't agree with their politics. I mean in the sense of they had swastika tattoos and would call themselves Nazis. These are people who call themselves Nazis. So, uh, and would sometimes, not at these events, but you would see them arguing that another Nazi group wasn't quite the right kind of Nazi. They were the wrong Judean people's front. I see. So infighting amongst white supremacists and hate groups, I see. Yes. Okay, great. And why was this? Why were they, why were they showing up (laughs) to speak to a white bald headed man's uh, speaking engagements around Troy University? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well, um, I think it was because, now I know it was because I wrote a scholarly article, which is only published in the old English newsletter. So it was only published in a scholarly source called Beowulf, Prince of the Geats, Nazis and Odinists. Uh, and we'll have a link in the show notes to this. And it was about a movie called Beowulf, Prince of the Geats and the way that it got a lot of neo-Nazis and neo-pagans, let's say Odinists, yeah, the pagans mm-hmm. in this case would be Norse pagans, uh, very upset. Uh, and they sent death threats in some cases and sort of very hostile things. And the FBI did a little investigation. Not uh, to you, but to the makers of this movie. No, not to me. To me, they okay. were to me they were very, I was about to say nice. They weren't nice, but they were very polite. They were very courteous I to see. me. Uh, never threatened me. Uh, people sometimes asked, aren't you afraid? I'm like, no, they're always nice to me. nice is still the wrong word but their their questions were hostile but i guess i was just glad someone was listening you you were not (laughs) on the side of their ire it was uh for a different reason yeah and they were they were mad they did think that my article i think was hostile to them i actually don't think my article was 
extremely hostile to them. I mean, obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a neo-Nazi or neo-pagan. Uh, I don't think that's what it was, but uh, they uh, were uh, still unhappy with it. Ah, and what is the hubbub of this movie? Clearly, this is not... Well, explain this movie. Okay. Why, why this movie? Yes, yeah, so in the early 2000s, I'm going to say it started around 2006, but it takes a while uh, for all this to happen. Uh, a director by the name of Scott Wagner, uh, he decided he wanted to make a film for to raise money for the American Cancer Society. In doing so, uh, he decided to make what he calls no a no-budget film. And he's made several of these. Uh, and he makes them for charity. And what a no-budget film is, it's not a low-budget film. They don't take any money. They spend no money. Every element of it is donated. Everyone's mm-hmm. time, as I recall, the costumes in... Beowulf, Prince of the Geats were made from curtains from an old hotel that was donated to them. Uh, you know, if you just look at all the various things, every bit of the work is donated. And so it does have the feel of a low budget film for sure. But the point of doing it as no budget is then every single thing, every penny that you you give them uh, for the DVD then goes to the charity with the exception of it costs money to print the DVD itself. Except for the mm-hmm. physical, the physical object, every other part of that is uh, goes to the charity itself. And so the people he was working with, they were trying. They decided to use Beowulf because they liked the idea of fighting monsters and conceiving of cancer as a monster. Well, apparently, they were at some show, and you'll have to forgive me. This is twelve years ago that, or more, that uh, we talked about this. They were at some show, and they saw an actor, and they said that actor, he is Beowulf. He is exactly who we want is Beowulf. Uh, but the problem was the actor was black uh, and it didn't quite fit the story. So Wagner rewrote the script, reworked it so that there was a frame story where Beowulf's father uh, was in fact an explorer from, I think from Ghana. Uh, it doesn't matter from an African explorer who ended up there in the North. This then is able to explain why Beowulf himself is, is black. Mm-hmm. Ironically, after they rewrote the script, the actor who they had gotten to be Beowulf at first couldn't do it, uh, and they got to be the young Beowulf. They still uh, have Damon Lynch III as the older Beowulf, uh, and they got another fella uh, by the name of uh, Jay Sean Jackson uh, to be Beowulf. And so the story is, and, and the truth is, like Beowulf being, except for the frame, which both turns it into a storytelling opportunity. Uh, and and a chance to kind of explain what is this? Everybody's white in the Scandinavian country except this guy. Uh, why is this? Uh, except for those things, there's really almost no reference to him being black. There's one point I think in the film when Hrothgar says to him, "He has no doubt his father's son." Uh, yeah. From looking at him, and that I think is the only reference that survives into the film. Now I don't know how. Because it was long before I, as a medieval scholar, heard about this. Apparently, two different groups, which have a lot of overlap, and that is neo-Nazis and neo-pagans, heard about this, and they were really offended. Their view was, and perhaps continues to be, that Beowulf is a cultural hero. uh, And that to remove him from that culture uh, is to... Uh, today, we might say to remove representation, to deny them representation, to, you know, really take someone who 
isn't just from their culture, but in some ways represents their culture. And so I spent a lot of time uh, on neo-Nazi and neo-pagan uh, message boards at that time. I'm certain that there was a oh, there was an alarm that went off uh, every day at uh, in our IT office. By the way, there was one guy I should say here. Uh, there was one guy on one of the neo-Nazi boards whose username was Noakes. It was not me, oh, no. but I did I did for years live in terror that someone was going to think that not only was I on these boards, but that I was one of these uh, neo-Nazis. Spelled the exact same way? or was spelled, it spelled the exact different? same way. And there oh, are only no. somewhere in the range of 6,000 Noakes in the world and only about 3,000 in America. I think this was an American uh, from what I could tell. I did a little dive into the person like, who the heck is this guy? Uh, you part- do have a big family. <laughs> yes. Well, I, it would be bad if it were someone in my family, uh, particularly bad in my family, since my family is, we're still majority white, but not uh, entirely. Uh, so it would not go over well to have a neo-Nazi in our family. No. Uh, uh, not at all. It would cause awkwardness at uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. For sure. Uh, also, having a neo-pagan would cause awkwardness at Thanksgiving, since it would not be a real pagan holiday. Anyway, so I got really interested in this. I interviewed the actors. I interviewed the director. I presented this and uh, wrote an article for the Old English Newsletter. They were very interested in it. They had to carefully edit it because they wanted to, had to figure out how to present it in a way where the, they were, it was the first time they were going to be printing something that had racial slurs in it and they were trying to figure out how to do it. So, Yeah, which the slurs are censored out on the OEN. Well, yes. So the OE. Yes, the the Old English newsletter. The what they actually the compromise they came up with was they decided that they would print the slurs in the print version and remove the slurs from the online or sorry, censor the slurs in the online version I so see. that okay. they didn't yeah. weren't searchable. Though I, I think someplace they now have linked to the print version on there too. So that sort of disappeared. I've seen it. I've seen it online with the racial slurs in there as well. Anyway, but they were very upset first at them for making this and then at me for writing about it. Although my article was more, was less about condemning them and was more about like, wow, these guys really, really are into Beowulf. Uh, and, and that was really more the tone uh, of my article, at least what I, what I was shooting for. I, so and I don't, I don't want to give our audience a, a lecture and an expl- explainer on the various hate groups. Uh, they can look that up for all that we care about. But uh, where does Beowulf fit into Odinism in particular? Well, one of the problems that if you're a Norse pagan you have is that we really don't have that many great sources. Uh, things like they want to talk about the Eddas, for example. A lot mm-hmm. of the things that we think we know, we don't actually know so well because the Norse paganism wasn't so interested in a particular holy text in the way that Christianity, Judaism, and Islam are. And so because of that, there aren't that many things that you can point to and say, like, this is a, a holy text of our of our religion. And Beowulf is something that's kind of close to that. It's something that if you're an English speaker you are familiar with. And so it really fills that position. Uh, Nazis have long been interested 
uh, in this kind of stuff. I mean, wait, went back when they were not the neo-Nazis, but the proto-Nazis, the old, the, yeah. the old school Nazis. They were very interested in less Beowulf and more other sorts of medieval things. Uh, you know, if you just look at Wagner's music, that the kind of stuff that Wagner's interested in. But there is also generally this idea that out of stories, you can build a national identity. I mean, the Brothers Grimm, their purpose in collecting the fairy tales that they did uh, was to, one part was to create a kind of German national identity that goes beyond some sort of national boundaries and is a sort of ethnic identity. That's uh, not mm -hmm. a new idea at, at all. And so you could see sort of how the Nazis and the Odinists have a lot of overlap in this. And some, some Odinists are very, you know, I, I talked to a, another colleague of mine at the time who I think would describe herself as an Odinist, certainly as a neo-pagan, uh, not a nationalist at all very much in the same sort of way, doesn't like the nationalist Odinists. Uh, but oh, God. So there's a subsector of, of a subsector oh, yes. of... Yes. Oh. I, I'm I, losing track of hate groups now. Well, it's not as... I, I, I wouldn't... I, as far as I can tell, the, neo, the, the Norse neo-pagans are not as fragmented as, say, say Protestantism, Protestantism is in Christianity. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but I would say... <laughs> Sorry, I found that really funny. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying. Keep going. To, uh, you know, no, I don't think sorry. they're as fragmented as that, uh, but but I think that's because they're smaller. Uh, I think if they had as <laughs> okay. many people, they would have more, many, many, many more fragments. Okay. So that, but that's speculative. I don't really know. And okay, so you you kind of answered my second question mm -hmm. here, but uh, so what is this tie to fiction, though? I mean, it's it's not as though Beowulf was a historical figure. This is a this is a fictional saga that we're talking about. It, it's not real. You can, Beowulf can be whoever you want this person to be. So why, why hold dear to a fictional story? Well, I, I mean, I think some of them actually, actually do think he was a fiction. He was a historical character who was just fictionalized in the same way that sometimes people will say like, well, King Arthur was a real guy. There are some fictional versions of the stories, but he's a real person. Um, that's not something I agree with exactly, but we'll, you know, we'll, that's a whole mm -hmm. side issue. And I think some of them do think he was a real historical person. And certainly some characters in Beowulf are real. Hrothgar's a real person, for example. Um, mm -hmm. But other people, I think, would basically, when you saw arguments about other people being cast, they, they basically argued it was about cultural appropriation, uh, would be their argument. And sometimes they would associate fictional characters. So, for example, um, I don't know, is John Henry actually a real person or not? Uh, I, I don't quote me on this. I don't think so. Whether he's a real... It's just a fictional tall right. tale. Yeah, whether he's a real person or not, whether he's based on a real person or not. Like I, As I recall, some of them would compare it to like casting John Henry uh, as some other race other than black, right? Um and that they saw it very much the same way. And so this idea that through through fictional characters, we can build our culture. The Brothers Grimm, very much. I mean, they don't expect you to believe that Hansel and Gretel and the witch's uh, house are all, are all real things. Or Hans Christian Andersen, you know, the same sort of thing. So we do often build identity through these fictional stories, even while knowing they're fictional we can say this character explains either who I am, who my people were, or who I long to be. And so in some ways, 
maybe ways that that neither that neither the cast of Beowulf, Prince of the Gates, or these neo Nazis would would be happy to hear. In some ways, they're on the same wavelength for that, where the choice of Beowulf, Beowulf was to say, let's show slaying a monster and we'll consider cancer a metaphorical monster. And this idea mm-hmm. of I want to be associated with a monster slayer is, I think, something that they shared uh, as much as they don't want to say that they share this. Maybe, I don't know, they might agree that they share it. They just might say the other person's wrong in the way that they're sharing it. But yeah, they it's not just here, uh, but elsewhere that we think of these things as part of our fictional stories is making up who we are. Some people may think of monsters as Nazis and think of slaying monsters or slaying Nazis. So They sure might. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my final question is, so the movie, mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty good for being a, a no-budget movie. It's, I mean, it's, it's it, pretty decent. It's miraculous it's no for being no budget, for being yeah. no zero dollars. Like when I watched it, every time I saw a flaw, I thought like they made this for no money. Zero dollars. Yes. yes. Everything was donated. Yeah. If you, if anyone gets a chance to watch the movie, highly recommend it. We do have a link in our show notes for it. Mm-hmm. My question, just to lighten the mood just a bit. Why the skiing scene? <laughs> So there is a skiing scene in it where they're skiing after Grendel's mother. Yes. And so when they did the research for the movie, they discovered that, in fact, the Vikings did ski. Uh, They might not have skied in quite the same way we did, but they had skis and they used them. And they thought that would be a really neat thing to put in there. And as I recall, and again, uh, if Scott Wagner denies this, uh, trust his judgment, because I'm remembering this discussion from 12 years ago. As I recall, they actually had someone who was an expert uh, who they were going to go up on this mountainside. They're going to take a helicopter up on this mountainside and they were going to get these awesome action shots. And -hmm. at the end, they were not able, because everything's donated, something happened. They were not able to go up on the mountainside and get these awesome awesome shots. Uh, And so it had to be kind of done through computer graphics and it doesn't look quite as visceral as I think it would have otherwise. I think it, it's awesome they almost got a donated helicopter, though, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, Wagner has continued to do non-medieval-themed, no-budget films. And so when you go to his, if you go to the show notes and you look up Beowulf, Prince of the Geats on there, you'll see that he's got other films on there that he's doing for no budget. And he uh, he told me very recently, I knew we were going to be doing this uh, podcast, uh, he told me very recently that he loves doing no-budget films, that he... It's the thing that he likes more than any other kind of filmmaking. And he's done other films. He got his start in television and movies. Well, that's really, really cool. I Again, we, we do have a link to where to buy the mm-hmm. DVD. And we do have a link to your article, which uh, started the crap <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, take, a look at, take a look at both if you can. And, and I should say, you know, since we have an audience of millions... <laughs> Certainly, we have some neo Nazis out there. Right. Um, here's my message to the neo Nazis uh, out there. You know what? I think that you can claim Beowulf. You just can't claim him exclusively. He belongs to the rest of us too. That's that's my view. <laughs> it's a fictional character. Get over yourselves. All right. So uh, let's move on to one other thing before we get into recommendations. We've got some feedback from our last episode. Yes. Now, I'd heard that we had feedback. We do. And I don't, but I, I don't know what it is. Okay. Uh, so so I, this is my authentic, legitimate 
response to this feedback. So let's All hear right. it. So what was our... Okay, you remember our last episode. What did we talk about in our last episode? Our last episode, we talked about the DC Comics Beowulf Dragon Slayer six, Correct. six issue series. So Engineer Mike had historian and DC comic expert Marcus LaRoche, who is also a Troy University graduate. I see. Listen to our podcast on uh, Beowulf Dragon Slayer. And he had some feedback for us regarding that episode. It was that it was the best thing ever, ever put to the internet, I'm sure. Not only that, but he had, he, this is my question for you. What do Beowulf and Keanu Reeves have in common? What do Beowulf and Keanu Reeves have in common? Yeah, I can answer you this. So, first of all, every single villain that we brought up in that episode that Beowulf has faced, Mm -hmm. uh, they eventually get recycled back into the larger DC universes. Mm -hmm. And that includes Satan. Okay. And (laughs) (laughs) Satan, yes, is the same canonical Satan that faced John Constantine in the Hellblazer comic, which, of course, was Constantine in the movie Constantine. Wait a second. Okay, yes. so here's my question. So, a little bit of a spoiler on a comic for the 1970s. Satan dies in that comic yes. book, which takes place in the Middle Ages. Yes. Although there is time travel, I think. Yes, there's time travel uh, in it. And Constantine takes place in the modern era, I guess 20th or 21st century. So, I don't know. do we know <laughs> how, how is Satan back around? Well, like I told you, he came back from a Wendy's toilet and was recycled back into the universe. It, this this explains it. I, I should note, by the way, when you say that all the characters got recycled, in fact, and I I don't have it yet. I'm waiting for it in my mailbox. Uh, there, I discovered that there was a, a single issue of Wonder Woman in which Beowulf appears, and it is... Canonically, it is the oh Beowulf from the Beowulf Dragon Slayer. Oh I haven't seen the art. I don't know anything. Uh, but when it arrives, I'm very excited. To We're going to talk about that in an episode. <laughs> I, I I need to see. I, I need to see this. Need to it's see the be, new Beowulf. Yes. Yeah. And it's the uh, same so Beowulf. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and that gets to my or that leads to my first recommendation, which is Constantine the movie 2005. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, which is, I thought that was a decent movie. I, I know critics were, were harsh on it and uh, reviewers, or I'm sorry, uh, fans were mixed on it, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. The, uh, I would also be remiss if I did not mention my author site launched this weekend. And uh, so if you want to go there and check me out, please do. NinaMcNamara.com. That is N-I-N-A-M-A-C-N-A-M-A-R-A. Dot com, and it lists me and my books and all that other stuff. Yeah, and uh, I I didn't know you had a new author site. I stumbled upon it uh, a few days ago and yeah. uh, looking at something completely different. And there it was. I was very surprised. So uh, it looks yep. very looks very good. Thank you I, very much. So I have one other recommendation to make, sure. in, in addition to, of course, the uh, the Beowulf Prince of the Geats movie. And that is, you know, we talked about Beowulf Dragon Slayer, which is really aimed at, at younger children. And I wanted to recommend one from the opposite side of the spectrum. And it's a more recent one, 
by a couple of Spanish artists, uh, Santiago Garcia and David Rubin. And they wrote a graphic novel uh, of Beowulf. Garcia, I think, is the writer. And Rubin is the is the illustrator. And it is uh, far more graphic in its violence. Uh, you know, you Ooh. it is not it is not for children. No, oh, it is for us. Yes, it is for us. And it <laughs> is a beautiful book. It is one of the most recent ones. It's very beautiful. If you feel like the Beowulf Dragon Slayer is maybe a little too seventies for you, I would recommend Garcia and Rubin's Beowulf. Uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Nice. All right. Well, uh, any final words? Anything you want to wrap up with? Nope. Uh, just, uh, uh, I guess I have nothing more to say on the subject. <laughs> I, I, I've spoken, I've spent years talking about this. And, uh, you know, at some point, the, like, I know the Nazis because they were wearing swastikas. And I didn't know the Odinists for sure. Some people, the way they ask questions about the Norse, I think, I bet that person's a neo-pagan. But it was less clear yeah. whether their weird tattoo was uh, was religious or was just, doesn't this look cool? Mm-hmm. Um, but now I guess I'm looking forward to having neo-Nazis and neo-pagans coming once again to Great. all my events uh, because they've heard this podcast. Oh, good lord. Oh, all right. Well, West Duhall back. West Duhall, Nina. Pop and Evil was recorded under an Indian studio. The hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. The music is courtesy of Dr. John Ginwright. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash Thank you for listening. You know what my kink is? <laughs> it's kink what? shaming. It, yeah, so is mine, so... <laughs> <laughs> Mike's shaking. Engineer Mike is very is not happy about that. <laughs>